Praise the Lord. We're going to continue on with the topic that we started last week, uh, unwrapping Christmas. Unwrapping Christmas. And um, if you'll recall last week, we spoke about the heart of Christmas being the gift that was Jesus Christ, the fact that He was willing to come and pay the price for you and me. We talked about a new covenant that was instituted because of what happened at Christmas. Amen. And that's what we are celebrating at Christmas was the fact that Jesus came to this earth to walk amongst humanity with us. And we, we talked about the fact that Jesus became one of us. And, and that in alone should get a few more amens and just a, mm. the fact that Jesus was willing to lay aside the glory, the splendor of heaven. God, manifest in the flesh, was willing to come as a baby in an, down to earth to be with His creation. Amen. What a privilege. And today we're going to continue on um, with our series. And if you've got your Bible, turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to skip over the first 17 verses because that's full of those really hard names that are really difficult to pronounce correctly. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Say amen when you're there. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. We kind of skip over all that means sometimes. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily or privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." Now this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. The purpose of what we are talking about over these next few weeks is to try and get to the heart of the Christmas story. Because in our modern society, in our modern culture, Christmas and its true meaning has really been lost. It's been replaced by materialism. It's been replaced by selfishness. It's a time of parties. It's a time of focusing on wish lists and and trying to angle for presents and things like that. And in the meantime, issues of depression are at an all-time high in our society. 
you know, I, was, I can't remember who I was talking to, but it was someone I was talking to, but they were saying that there is more anxiety issues in school these days than there ever was before. Kids in high school are anxious. Kids in high school are struggling with sometimes depression. And it was never an issue back when I was a child, certainly not as much as what it is, seems to be today. And, and so what we're talking about is trying to reestablish what the true meaning of Christmas is so that with our kids and with our families and around our tables, when we talk about Christmas, we can talk to them about what it actually means and what is the true meaning of Christmas. And Christmas is a story of courage. It really is. Let me, let me tell you a story. I'm going to read it verbatim here. I've got it written down. It goes like this. True story. It had rained for 10 days in Andover, Ohio, and everything was wet. Two-year-old Jessica O'Connell walked outside with her sister to see their father off to work. He left, and the girls began to toss a beach ball backwards and forwards in the yard. Nearby, rushing water had filled a drainage ditch. Two houses away, neighbor Ray Blankenship was having his breakfast when he saw a baby girl's body being swept past in the rushing water. Ray knew that the drainage ditch washed into the north main culvert. Now, a culvert is that big drain that runs underneath the road. So if you go down there, you're gone. It, was the, it washed into the north main culvert just a few yards downstream. It was 30 feet long and completely flooded. Ray dashed out the door, raced alongside the raging water, trying to get ahead of the little girl to a point where he could catch her. Then he hurled himself into the churning water. Ray surfaced and was able to grab baby Jessica's arm. He pulled her close to him, but the raging current carried them closer to the culvert where the ditch would disappear with a roar underneath the road. With his free hand, Ray clutched for anything solid. The two were within 10 feet of the culvert when Ray managed to grab a protruding rock. The water threatened to tear him and Jessica away, but he managed to hang on until fire department rescuers came and pulled them to safety. At the hospital, both were treated for near drowning and shock, but both recovered. And on April the 12th, 1989, Ray Blankenship, who was a civilian, was presented with the Coast Guard's life-saving medal for his heroism. And the most incredible thing about that story is that Ray Blankenship could not swim. That's courage. Amen. And having courage does not mean that you are never afraid. It only means that when you are afraid, you choose to act anyway. And if, if you could not swim, do you think you would throw yourself into a raging torrent like that to save someone? That's courage. Knowing that I don't have the ability really to swim to save myself or her, but I'm going to do whatever I can to save her. Do you think maybe he had a moment's hesitation? Do you think there was a moment where he went, you know what, it's just not worth it. I can't catch her. I tried my best. And the Christmas story, when we read through it, is a story of courage. Joseph had courage to commit. And Joseph's commitment would change, life, change his life forever as he knew it. Think about it like this. He was asked to marry someone who was expecting a child 
who was not his own. Just think about the implications of that in Bible times. Many men could not bring themselves to make that choice. Amen. Joseph was asked to give up what was safe and normal about his life to instead act as the Father of God come in flesh. That's courage. That's knowing that my life is never going to be the same. And because of the miraculous circumstance of Mary's pregnancy, she would always have certain question marks on her life. She would have had to. There was such a stigma about that back in those days. Amen. And Joseph did not only have courage to commit, but he was committed to being a man of integrity. And I think often we don't understand what the Bible terms of betrothal means. You know, we know that Joseph was betrothed to Mary, but the reality was, was a betrothal is a bit like our engagement, but a lot more serious. A betrothal, the families had got together. It was agreed they were going to get married. And they were in a committed contract to marry each other. And so to be found pregnant while inside that contract, the reality was, was that Joseph had every right to not only cancel the contract of betrothal, but also to take Mary out and have her stoned because of committing adultery. Because let's face it, being pregnant is the fruit of adultery. Yeah, wow. Everyone's just like, oh my Lord, Pastor, what did you just say? I'm talking Bible times now. Okay, this is what Joseph would have first thought when he found out that his bride-to-be was pregnant. He would have assumed she must have been unfaithful. Why do you think God was like, okay, I better send an angel to this boy right now before he does something crazy? Right? But Joseph was committed to being a man of integrity. The reality was, was Joseph was a righteous man who did not want to expose Mary to public ridicule. That's why he said he was minded to put her away privately. He said, okay, well, clearly we can't get married. She's been unfaithful, but I'm not going to make a song and dance about it and get, them, get her killed. I'm just going to privately divorce her and move on with my life. Right? So he wasn't going to take her out, but that was what the law called for. Amen. We see that he was committed to protecting his family. Look at this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Talking about courage in the Christmas story this morning. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13. And when they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise. And take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. In this story, King Herod, who was jealous of the baby who had been heralded, heralded as the king of the Jews, wanted to see Jesus dead. He wanted to kill Jesus because he was threatened, because he was worried. And when the angel spoke to Joseph, Joseph was committed to protecting his family. As soon as the angel spoke, he woke up the next morning and made preparations to leave to Egypt to preserve the life of the baby Jesus and to preserve the life of his 
wife. Amen. It is Joseph's obedience and Joseph's commitment that kept Jesus alive in those early days. Amen. And so he was courageous. Everyone say courageous. There's also in the Christmas story courage to be extraordinary. Mary is often portrayed as some kind of superhero saint. You just try and do some Google searches on Mary and you'll find all sorts of wonderful things that Mary does. And the reality was, was that Mary was simply a godly young lady who caught God's attention. In Luke chapter 1, look at this. Verse 26, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee unto, named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, to the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, now, just imagine for a second if an angel popped into you and said this, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Just stop and think for a second. And you'll see that Mary had the same reaction that any of us would have had. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She was kind of like, what? Hello? Me? See, Mary wasn't anyone special. She wasn't super rich. She wasn't super famous. She wasn't used to people popping up and going, hail, you are highly favored. You know what I mean? And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. She caught God's attention. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. interesting, isn't it? In Bible culture, to be an unwed mother in the days that they lived in was considered an absolute disgrace by their society. And Mary was willing to ignore the ridicule of those who doubted the supernatural circumstances of her pregnancy. She was extraordinary to be willing to face, stand up against what society would be saying and still be willing to be the mother of the Messiah, knowing with certainty that life would not be easy from that moment on. It's interesting when you read on all the way down to verse 38, Mary said, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy 
word. She had courage to say, I am going to live an extraordinary life. I am going to live a life different to anybody else that has ever lived. And I may get some ridicule. And I may get some people mocking me. And I may get some people putting me down. But you know what? I am still going to go through with this, God, because you have called me. You have asked me to do this. The Christmas story is a story of courage to break the mold. Look at this. Luke chapter 2, just a chapter over. Let's read from verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, And there were in the same country shepherds, everyone say shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. He's talking to shepherds here. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, an, a, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels had gone away from them into the heavens, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, and that the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. The Christmas story is a story of breaking the mold and shepherding. Maybe we're learning something today, but in Bible times, shepherding was not an honorable occupation. All the way through history, you look at the, the, when the children of Israel arrived in the land of Egypt and Pharaoh sent them up to the land of Goshen. Why? Because they were shepherds. And they didn't want shepherds living around the Egyptians. They wanted them isolated and out of the way because they were shepherds. The Bible says that. So shepherds, were, it was not an honorable location. Most people in Bible times thought that shepherds were crooks. They were liars. They were thieves. They were, they were not great people. And yet God, who has never operated by human standards had his angels announced the arrival of the newborn king to those lowly shepherds instead of kings and nobility. Now, if it was up to us, and it was our child, and we had the choice, because let's face it, God could have announced it to kings and nobility if he'd wanted to, what would we have chosen? But, but God doesn't work by human standards, does he? And so God allowed the lowest members of society to be part of something miraculous. 
The angels not only proclaimed the praise of this newborn king, but they illustrated an important message. The gospel excludes no one. The gospel excludes no one. It is open to whosoever will. Amen. And, and these shepherds who were socially shunned, who were dirty shepherds, who smelt like sheep. Has anyone here ever smelt sheep before? Yeah, they don't smell nice, do they? You know, we, look at, we look at pictures of, you know, Sean the sheep on TV, and he's so cute and fluffy. And he's so, it's just, I just want to sleep. They stink. They really smell bad. But that night, those angels, those shepherds rather, believed the angels' words. They obeyed the angels' command, and in the same way, we should commit to the gospel to believe, to obey, and to tell. You know, the shepherds could have sat there and go, oh, which, yeah, I know, he just told us we should go have a look and t- tell people, but I'm just a shepherd. No one's going to listen to me. No one's going to care what I saw on some hill. As a matter of fact, they're probably going to think I'm like, you saw angels? Seriously? Yeah, right. No, but they had courage to break the mold that society had put them into. And we see this with God. He is not willing to abide by what we call human standards. But He is willing to reach for whoever He will. He will work in ways that we don't understand. Because He wants to reach everybody. Amen? And so, us today. How do we apply this to us? Christmas. We should be dreaming bigger than a white Christmas. Man, I got out of bed this morning. It was like. 27 degrees at 6.30 in the morning. Like, yeah, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. It's about all you can do in Kansas, dream of a white Christmas. <laughs> Amen. But, but Christmas ought to be something bigger than dreaming. And, and like Joseph, we have been chosen to be committed Christians. You know, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says, We are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, amen? And, and we have been called. Turn to the person next to you say, you've been called. You have been called to make a commitment to God. Even when people criticize you, even when people say you are crazy, even when people judge you, and think about the three sort of characters we've talked about today, Joseph, Mary, the shepherds, throughout their life, they would have been subject to criticism, to ridicule, to judgment. Joseph, seriously, you married Mary? Really? After what she did to you? But, you know, it's supernatural. You know, the Holy Spirit, of, what are you talking about, man? You're crazy. We are called to make a commitment to God. Amen. We are called to protect the sacred things of God. We are called to commit to integrity. And I think that's something that we miss a lot in society. You know, Joseph, Joseph was called, he committed, and he stuck to the path. And, and I think that's often something that we don't understand in today's society. We, 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 we start on a journey and we start on a path, but then somehow we, we lose that commitment. And and either something else distracts us or it becomes a little bit difficult and circumstances become a little bit harder and and the trials of life begin to pull and tug on us and that commitment begins to waver. 
That's when we need to know that we are called to integrity. Like Mary, we are chosen to set an example of what it means to be virtuous and to be pure in our generation. And, and, and that's what Mary was. She got the attention of God because she lived a godly life. She was favored by God. And, and, and we're called to be the same. You know, 1 Timothy chapter 4. And verse 12 says, Let no man despise your youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. That's what we're called to. And it doesn't matter how young or how old we are. That's the, kind of, that's the bar that God has called us to. To say, hey, this is where we stand. This is where we are. We are going to be virtuous. We are going to be pure. We are going to be, we're going to have integrity. Amen? As the shepherds did, we are called to believe. We are called to obey. And we are called to tell. We are called to believe that the Bible is God's Word. That's why every single home Bible study that I ever teach, the first lesson is always, let's talk about God's Word. Where did God's Word come from? Why is it God's Word? What makes it different from every other book that's on the bookshelf? Amen. We are called to obey the Word. We can't just read God's Word and then not obey it. That just makes sense, doesn't it? Let's say, let's say you're about to cut down a tree. And you have never used a chainsaw in your life. And you pull out the book of instructions that tells you what to do and the safety measures you need to take. If you have never used a chainsaw in your life, it is recommended that you read the book. Because you'll lose a finger or an arm or a leg or something. Hello? It just makes sense, right? We understand that if there's instructions for something, we should read it so we know how to operate it. It's the same thing with our life. God's Word is a roadmap for our life, and it doesn't do any good just to read it and go, well, that's great. Toss that out. I'll do what I want to do anyway. But we need to obey it. We need to follow it. We need to heed what it tells us to do. It's just, it's just logical, folks. Amen? We are called to tell others that they have purpose and that they are valued by God. I mean, think about it. These shepherds, I mean, the shepherds were a, a, a group of people who kind of kept together because a shepherd only understood another shepherd. Nobody else understood shepherds, right? But, but that's not what the church should be. You know, we should not be sitting in our little group going, well, you know, here we are. We're all focused inward and we're all telling each other how great we are and how amazing we are. But that's, that's not good enough. We're called to go out there, to reach people out there, to tell them, hey, there's a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. God has direction for your life. God sees value in your life. And, and isn't that what Christmas is all about? You know, I mean, we get presents. You know, and you, you open a present. And have you ever stopped? You know, <laughs> Maybe it's just my twisted mind that thinks like this. But you open up a present and you think, wow, mom and dad only got me a pair of socks. Clearly they don't love me very much. You know, it's so true though. We, we get our value from the things we have. Well, look at me. I'm driving a nice car. Hello? 
You know, and, and, and we, we, this is where materialism comes in. We collect all these things because we, we base our value on these things. And, and God is there saying, hey, 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 hey. The Christmas story says you have value because of who you are, not because of the stuff that you've got. And certainly not because of the presence you receive. Amen. Value. We have value. And, and it's our job to go out there and tell people that. Hey, God values you. God sees worth in you. God wants to have a relationship with you. And then, of course, we're called to share the hope of salvation. And that's the hope that we have. Amen. And so we are to dream big, but we are to stay humble. God's dreams for us are bigger and better than anything that we could ever think up for ourselves. You know, I, I truly believe that if we could ever wrap our mind around the purpose that God has for our lives as individuals, it would blow our mind. I think it's a good thing sometimes that God doesn't reveal everything that He wants to accomplish in our life before we're ready to receive it. Because sometimes, I mean, if someone had told me just, Ten years ago, that I would be a pastor. I'd be like, really? No way. But now that God has started to reveal this, as, as He reveals it in His time, you're beginning to move in. I'm beginning to move into that. You know what I mean? And, and, and that is the thing about the purpose of God. He has a purpose for us. Amen. And, and if we allow Him to dream for us, and we allow Him to direct our lives, and we allow Him to give us our focus and our direction in life, it is far better and far greater and far more amazing than anything we could ever try and write down and put down and project out than anything we could ever come up with. Because God's plan and God's purpose are always far better than anything we could ever come up with. Amen. Whatever we do, whatever great things we do, and this is, this is the beauty of getting your purpose from God. And when you understand your purpose is from God, it becomes so much easier to give all the glory to God. Because that's the biggest thing that we often mess up on. You know, God helps us do something. God opens up some door for us. We think that we got this because of our own ability or our own talent. God's like, whoa, 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 hang on. I'm the one who opened that door. I'm the one who's led you to this spot. Amen? Someone say, praise the Lord. Ultimately, the reason why we have courage is found in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Say amen when you're there. It says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Which being interpreted is God with us. Do you want to know why I live for God? Do you know why I want you want to know why I have courage to stand for what I believe in? Do you know why we can go out into that world 
And when we face our friends and, and we tell them, no, I'm living a life committed to God and, and I'm standing for Him and I'm not going to go there and I'm not going to do that because I'm different. I'm standing out. I'm being set apart for the things of God. You want to know where that courage comes from? It comes from the very fact that God is with us. That is where our courage come from. We can have courage with because we can have courage because God is with us. Jesus is not just God with us when he was in that manger or when he walked on the streets of Galilee, but, but Jesus is God with you in all things and at all times of life. You know, when you're at work and things are going bad and there's a struggle in your life and you're, you're trying to sort things out and you're not meeting your quotas and you're not meeting your target, you can, you can still sit back and go, you know what, God, I give you glory because you're still with me. I've still got courage to stand for you. This is not going to shake me. It's not going to turn me around. I might make my budget. I might not make my budget, but I'm still going to live for you. I'm still going to give you the glory. And when things are going great and things are going well and, and everything's going amazing and you're smashing your budget, you can sit there and go, thank you, God. I still give you all the glory because you are still the one that is with me. Amen. Because every season of life, whether we're up, whether we're down, whether things are going great, things are going bad, whether we've got problems, whether we've got doing great, whether our health is good, our health is bad, through it all, it doesn't matter what, God is still with us. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so that's why we can have courage. That's why we can have courage. And, and, and this, this story of God with us, it never gets old. It never gets old. You know, and, and from a human perspective, there was nothing special about the birth of Jesus Christ. He was not born into a palace. The angels didn't appear over the city of Jerusalem and tell the entire town that the Savior had been born. There was nothing special. He was born to just an ordinary carpenter and his wife. Shepherds, the, the lowest of society, smelly, dirty. They were the ones that God announced the birth to. There, there was nothing special. He was, he was in a, a feeding box. I wonder how many times Mary had to get some cow's snout and push it away. Hang on, my baby's in there. Stop eating. I don't know. I'm just speculating. The Bible doesn't say. But there was nothing special about that. From the human perspective, there's, there's nothing really special about the Christmas story. But we should not despise the small things that God does in our life. Because events in our life that seem ordinary. You know, and, and Jesus was born to an ordinary family in an ordinary manner, so to speak. Right, with ordinary people involved, and, and, and those things that seem ordinary in our life can be springboards from which the Lord plans to do amazing things. And so, don't despise those small beginnings in life, don't despise those small things that God does for us because anything worth having is worth working for, amen. And so, don't expect that things would be easy just because we are in the will of God. You know, like Mary, like Joseph, right? Just because they were in the will of God didn't mean their life was easy. 
Just because Mary said, well, no, hang on. Yeah, I know that I'm pregnant outside of wedlock, but this is special. This is spiritual. That's not an easy conversation to have with someone. Joseph being told, why are you marrying Mary? She cheated on you, didn't she? Well, no, you don't understand. This is a special case. There's something special going on. What? That's never happened before, Joseph. Yeah, but this is special. An angel came to me, right? Just because of that, it doesn't mean they were out of the will of God. They were still right bang slap in the middle of God's will. And so often, I've seen it before as, as Christians, we, when, when things get difficult and things get hard, we somehow stop and go, well, God, am I out of your will? Have I, have I done something wrong? Have I, have I stepped out of the plan that you've got for me? The reality is no. We can be in the will of God and be going through some real difficult circumstances in life. Amen. But we have courage to make it because God is with us. Amen. He is Emmanuel. Praise the Lord. Why don't we all stand this morning? I think we'll finish up here for now. And so my question for you this week. My question for you this week is understanding that you have been chosen by God. Understanding that you have value. Understanding that God has a purpose for your life. Understanding that His plan is always perfect and it will always come to pass in His time. How is that going to affect your life? And how is that going to help you build courage in your life to stand for God? That's my question for you. If you really know that God is with you, that He is on your side, that He has a plan and a purpose for you, how is that going to affect the way you live your life this week? How is that going to give you courage? Amen? Praise the Lord. Why don't we just close our eyes and let's just talk to the Lord together. Hallelujah. Precious Jesus.